I'd like to take a look at uh, at Beersheba, which again is not something you hear too often. Uh, but Beersheba uh, is named in our parasha. The truth is, it's also named in Parshat Vayera. We're going to look at that. Uh, but Beersheba, for some reason, pops up in a very strange pasuk in the middle of Amos. Uh, in a pasuk that I like to use to teach the significance and the importance of teaching Tanakh in Ivrit, you have the following source number one, uh, almost parakeh, when he's talking about the people going to their alternate worship sites. Now remember that Amos's nivuot were all given to the northern kingdom in Shomron. And the locus of his nivuah was Beit El, which had been established by Ravam ben Nevat as a northern worship site. And that's the one place that we find him um, located in the whole book, in Parag Zayim. Um, and in this pasuk, we see, V'alti drushu Beitel, don't go to Beitel. V'hagilgal lo tavo, which means people were going to Gilgal, maybe their association with Yoshua. Uver sheva lo ta'avoru, don't go to Beersheba. That's a very weird thing to say. Why would anybody in the northern kingdom go to Beersheba, which is deep in, in Eretz Yehuda, it actually belongs to Shevet Shimon, why would they go there to worship? Now, the point I make about using uh, about using this pasuk to teach the importance of Ivrit, Tanach Ivrit is, Ki ha-gilgal gelo el Translate in English and it loses all of the oomph. All right, so that's just as an aside. But the question is, What's the significance of Beersheba to the worship in the 8th century BCE uh, in Shomron? Makes no sense. So I want to take a look at Beersheba itself. And we're going to utilize for this the Septuagint, meaning looking at how the Septuagint renders Beersheba is going to actually help us figure out this odd pasuk in Amos. So one note about, about translations Typically, whenever you make a, you translate a book from any language to any language, there are two things that remain in the original language, and they are personal names and toponyms, place names. And sometimes it gets a little strange because if if you're reading English, the story, let's say, of Yaakov and his experience at Luz, you'll say, um, that uh, God, Yaakov said this is none other than the house of God, and therefore he called it Beit El. So the two don't really connect, and anybody reading a translation might want to look at the footnotes or do a little investigation, or at least resign himself to the fact he won't understand because it's something that makes sense in the native tongue. Okay, so we would fully expect that when we see Beit El in a translation, it's rendered Beit El, and that's exactly what we find in the Septuagint, throughout, it's called Bethel. Gilgal is Golgala. We would expect Beersheba to be Beersheba, and we do find that occasionally. Let's take a look at Beersheba when it starts out. This is in the story of the exile of Ishmael, evidently Ishmael and Hagar. The reason I say evidently because he's never called Ishmael by name in, in that story. Hagar. He gave bread and water to Hagar. Sam al-Shichma puts it on her shoulder. And the kid, and the, he sends her out. She goes out and wanders, gets lost. 
in the desert outside of Be'er Sheva, the desert or the wilderness or whatever of Be'er Sheva. Look what the Greek, how the Greek renders it. Tain Eremon, I'm reading over here in the Greek, the desert or wilderness, katato freyar tu orku, which means freyar is a well. You're going to get very familiar with that word here. And orku is an oath, which means the way that the Septuagint is rendering Be'er Sheva is not Be'er Sheva, but it's the well of the oath. All right? Now, let's see more about it because this is the first time Be'er Sheva shows up. Later on in that same parak is the famous breach between Avimelech and Avraham. And it starts as follows. Right, this is when Avimelech, after Avraham already left Gerar, he comes to Be'er Sheva, and Avimelech comes to him and says, I'd like you to swear, and I've read that we a mutual uh, disengagement, as it were, mutual respect. And then at that point, Avraham rebukes Avimelech about a particular well that Avimelech's servant stole. Avimelech said, I didn't know about it. This is the first time I've heard about it. Okay. And then what happens is, so Avraham takes some uh, flock and herd and gives it to Avimelech. So that's how they make this breed. Then Avraham takes seven lambs separately and puts them aside. And Avimelech points them out and identifies by number. Why did you put seven lambs there? And Avraham repeats the number. You will take these seven lambs from me. That will be testimony that I dug this well. Take these seven. What does this have to do with seven lambs? How does that prove anything? But the next thing is even odder. Now, if I stop at that point and I say, that's why they call this place Be'er Sheva, I would assume that what's the word Sheva there? What does it mean? It means seven. And because I've made a big deal about the seven lambs, and I've repeated it, and I've repeated it again, the seven lambs. So we call it Be'er Sheva, the well of the seven, as it were. But we then, the, the second half of the Pasuk tells us something different. Because that's where they took an oath, which means Be'er Sheva doesn't mean the well of the seven, rather the well of the oath. Okay, very nice. And now, and then, Avram starts in his, his activity in Be'er Sheva. And now you notice that in the Septuagint, in Pasuk Lamed Aleph, Alkein Karelamakomahu Be'er Sheva, right? That the place is called Freyar or Kismu, the well of the oath, right? And then uh, in the next Pasuk, Kai Diathento Diatheken, they make an oath, they make a breed, Entoi Fresti, uh, to Orku in the, at the well of oath. Again, it's never called Beersheba in any, in any form. Beersebu. It does never call anything that. It's always called the well of the oath. Now, the Pasuk itself hijacked, if you will, the number seven away and said, Kisham Nishbushnam. It's called Beersheba because they took an oath there. But still, is that enough of a reason? In other words, you would expect then that the translation of Betel would be, Oikoteus, the house of God, instead of Betel. You would expect that then city names or place names 
would maintain their meaning in Greek and not transliteration, but that's not the case. Okay, now it gets even stranger when we get to our parasha. And our parasha is a whole story of wells. Famous Ramban, if you have it, if you if you have time, definitely take a look at the Ramban on the wells in Parak Chavav. It's wild, but. In this story, when Yitzchak said, Yitzchak redigs wells that Avraham's servants had dug and the police team had, had filled them in, which of course is just classic terrorist activity. You're just doing something to hurt others. You hurt yourself too. And he gave them the same names that Avraham gave. We don't know how many wells there are here. But then, we find out in Pasuk Yotet, and then in Pasuk Chafalef, and then in Pasuk Chafet, that Yitzchak's servants dig another three wells. So I'm going to posit for a moment that Avraham had three wells, kind of corresponding to it, but we don't know that. Avraham had some wells that were redug. Yitzchak's people dug three wells and named them, Asek and Sitna, and then finally Rechavot. All right? And now what happens in Chafgimel? Vayal Misham Be'er Shava. Yitzchak keeps moving. He moves from there to Be'er Shava. Now, Be'er Shava already existed. It was already named because of the oath between Avram and Avimelech. All right? And parenthetically, I'm going to ask, is the is the oath between Avram and Avimelech, which we might not even look at favorably, look at the, the Rashbam, famous Rashbam at the beginning of the Akedah, is that enough of an event to give this city its name forever? That's so important. The breed between Avram and Avimelech. I'm a little concerned. In any case, what happens in Beersheba? Hashem appears to Yitzchak and says, I'm going to protect you here, right? And Yitzchak builds a Mizbeach. And at that point, they dig a well. Now, Avimelech shows up. This sounds very familiar like the story with Avraham. Yitzchak says, why do you come? You don't like me. You sent me away. And they say, we see that Hashem is with you. We want to make an oath between us and a breed. And the oath is that we will treat each other nicely, right? What does Yitzchak do? Yitzchak doesn't make a breed with them. They have a meal. They get up in the morning. They do make an oath. They don't make a breed, but they make an oath. Yitzchak sends them off and they go in peace. They suddenly find out there's another Be'er. Now, if you count them, if the wells that they redug of Abraham, Be'erot, let's say, are two, there's another three that they dug with the name, that's five. Then they dig another well, that's six. And now they come and tell him there's another well, which makes... Seven. What do they call that well? Shiva. Number seven. Which means, by the way, that this story has, if you will, hijacked the earlier story and said the reason that it's called Beersheba is not because of an oath, but rather because of a number. Well, number seven. And that would play well with the Sheva Kvasot that we have with Avram. Beautiful. We would fully expect at this point that translations would render this either Be'era Saba, like seven, right? And I'm saying in Aramaic or something, or Hebdoma um, in, in Greek, or Be'er Saba, just the name. 
Watch what happens here. And this is where the confusion really sets in. They call the place Oath. Remember it said by Shiva, they call the place Oath. So the name of the place is Freyar Orku. That's so you're getting used to this already. Right? The well of the oath. Eos Tes Semiron Emeras until this very day. Somehow this oath thing keeps sticking to this place in spite of all the sevens that hit, the seven uh, lambs that keep being repeated, and the seven wells, and the fact that it's called Shiva, which certainly means seven. And nonetheless, Beersheba is the well of the oath throughout. And by the way, it's never called Beersheba. Now, it's not true that it's never called Beersheba, meaning it's not transliterated that way, that, that way. And I'll show you a couple places where it is. But notice, when Yaakov leaves, and this is the next mention of Beersheba, when Yaakov runs away from home, very famous, and of course, the famous fort, we know from here that you have to wear a yarmulke, because would Yaakov leave without a yarmulke? Famously, Kai exelten Yaakov apotu freatos tu oraku. Yaakov leaves from the well of the oath. Consistently. So I'll admit to being confused. And I'm now confused on two very different layers and in two very different areas. I'm confused why Beersheba is consistently called the well of the oath and not either the well of the seven, or better yet, Beersheba, because we transliterate names and keep the key, and we don't translate them. And the second thing is, back to our first question, why are people going to Beersheba to worship? Why does Amos have to de- de- rebuke the people for going to Beitel I get and Gilgal I get? Beersheba, what's going on? So there's one more time that Beersheba shows up in Chumash. It only shows up in Breshit, and it only shows up this last time, after a lot of mentions in the Avram Yitzhak stories, and a little bit Yaakov, it shows up one last time for Yaakov. And it is when Yaakov leaves Israel. Yaakov is traveling, as you know, with the family. They're bringing him. He's an old man, and they bring him down to Egypt. And he travels with his entire entourage from Hebron, and they come to Beersheba, which is sort of the border, if you will, because from there on it's desolate, and then they're in Egypt. He brings Korbanot to Hashem. And God appears to him and says, Just like Abraham, Abraham, Shmuel, Shmuel, Lashon Hineni. Yaakov gives the stock answer, Hineni. I am the God of your father. I am the God who is the God of your father. Don't be afraid of going down. I'm going to make you into a great nation there. I will go down with you to Mitzrayim. And I will also bring you up. Notice Anochi there. Yosef will be the one to shut your eyes, as it were. Yosef will keep an eye on you. And Yaakov gets up from Beersheba and goes to Mitzrayim. And by the way, that's the last time God ever speaks to Yaakov. And that's the last time we ever hear God's voice in Breshit. Now, notice here, where does Yaakov leave from? He comes from, and he brings, Elfen Epito Freyar to Orku. Again, the well of the oath. And that's what Beersheba was called throughout Breshit. 
Parenthetically, in the Targum Yerushalmi, which is the Aramaic uh, Midrashic Targum, which we refer to as Neofiti because of where it was found, it's probably the oldest Targum that we have, at least that we have in our hands. We have the following. This is Aramaic. What is that? If they wanted to use the name, they would have said or Be'er Shava. What does Be'era Dishava mean? The well of the oath. Which means even in this tradition, we're finding that Be'er Shava is not represented as a transliteration, but rather as its meaning. Okay. Now, I don't want you to get the impression that Zatuajin is consistent with this, because it's not. Look at Yoshua. When Be'er Shava is listed among the cities of Shimon, what's it called? You can see it in the green there. Be'er Sabeh. Be'er Sabeh, Be'er Sheva. When you see the famous phrase, the people, that everything is known, Midan V'ad Be'er Sheva. We have that phrase several times in Tanakh to say basically from sea to shining sea. Midan V'ad Be'er Sheva, Be'er Sabeh. Again, Be'er Sheva. It's just transliterated. But now we come to our Pasuk and Amos, which, by the way, is the only place in Nevi'im Achronim that it shows up. Don't show up in Yeshayu, Yimeyel, Chizkel, any of the rest of Treyas are just in Amos twice. When it shows up in our Pasuk, the one that we started with, notice what it says. Kaimei egzeitete Baithel. Don't go to Baithel. Kaiez Galgala. Again, Baithel, Galgal, don't go there. Kaiepi to Orku. And to the well of the oath, don't go. Look at that. Now, it is definitely the case that in the Septuagint, there were different translators for different parts. Matter of fact, according to some of the traditions in Chazal, there were five Zakenim who worked on, um, on the Septuagint. Avotu Rabinatan, Masachat Sofrim has these traditions. And the theory is that each one of them translated a different book. So the Breshit and Shemot don't have the same style of translation. And by the way, if you read through, you see that it, it is indeed the case. So you would think, okay, maybe the guy who did Yoshua decided to do Beersheba, and the guy who did Shmuel decided to do Beersheba, and the guy who did Amos decided to do the well of the oath. Except that in one other Pasuk in Amos, look what shows up, Beersheba. You see it at the bottom. So what's going on? Very hard to understand. So I'm going to make the following suggestion. <laughs> Beersheba is a location. It's a spot. And as a location, it operates like every other location, a geographic marker. And when you use it simply as a geographic marker, you refer to it by its name. So therefore, in Yoshua, when listing the territory in Perak Tedvav that belongs to Yehuda, and in Perak Yudtet that's given to Shimon, it's called Beersheba, and in Greek, Beersheba, Barsabe. When the text wants to identify Beersheba as one of the extremes of the land, Midan Viad Beersheba, it says Beersheba. It's a location. It's a marker on the map. It's a GPS unit. That's fine. But when Beersheba takes on inherent significance, every time it is called the well of the oath. Why? I mean, again, is Avimelech's interaction with Abraham such a monumental thing? That that's why it should give Beersheba its name? It seems to be a little extreme. So I'd like to suggest that maybe the reason is a little bit different. And we have to keep in mind 
one thing that we know, but we often forget. When was the Torah written? The Torah was written, we assume Moshe Rabbeinu, which means that any stories that happened before Moshe Rabbeinu have, if you will, Moshe Rabbeinu's editorial slant on it. That's, for instance, the one the explanation to how Avraham can chase the kings to Dun when Dun is Avraham's great grandson. Because by the time Moshe Rabbeinu comes along, everybody knows that that territory is called Dun, and therefore he can refer to it as Dun. It's like if someone were to talk about Native Americans, whatever you want to call them, appearing on some island on the East Coast, uh, you know, and setting up a thing, you might say, yeah, they set it up uh, right near Macy's. Well, Macy's didn't exist at the time. Harold Square didn't exist at the time. 34th Street didn't exist. It doesn't matter. You reference it by how you know it today. You would call it Midtown. So the same way, when we look at Beersheba and the way the text explains Beersheba, we have to remember that this is Moshe Rabbeinu writing, not necessarily of its time, which means we have to look at all the events that happened until Moshe Rabbeinu's time to help us inform why this place has its significance. I believe that the key story to the whole thing and the, the, the key to unraveling this puzzle is right in front of us in Source 5 when Yaakov is leaving Israel. Yaakov is on his way down to Mitzrayim. He stops in Be'er Shava to offer korbanot. Why does he offer korbanot there? Well, so there's several reasons. Reason number one that's the most obvious is Be'er Shava is the end of the land. He's leaving the land. This is his farewell. The second piece is, in in conjunction with that, is that Be'er Shava is somewhere where his father built the Mizbeach. Be'er Shava is where he grew up. Beersheba is somewhere where Avram had an eshel and called out in God's name. Beersheba is a place of the family's work in publicizing God. So it's an appropriate place for him to come and bring korbanot. God appears to him here, and what does God say? God says, Anochi, which should be a familiar word, I am Hashem your God. Which, by the way, is exactly how Hashem appears to Moshe Rabbeinu later at Har Sinai. Anochi ani, Hashem Elokei, El Elohei Avicha. I am Hashem, the God of your father. And then he says, Al tiram Mitzrayim. Now don't be afraid of going down to Mitzrayim, because I'm going to make you a great nation there. This also, by the way, approximates God's words to Moshe at the Sinai. Don't be afraid, I'm with you. And then we have Anochi Mitzrayim. I am going to go down with you to Mitzrayim. And I will bring you out. And look at the word Anochi. And of course, what does Anochi bring up for us? Anochi What do we see in this little nevuah? This nevuah of three psukim. It's huge. We see the promise of Brit Ben now being activated. You're going to go down there and you're going to become mighty and you're going to be enslaved and we suffered and you're going to come out with great wealth. Now we're activating it. And the word Anochi is the key here. I am the one doing all of this. This is a Shavuah. Why is this a Shavuah? Because what makes something a Shavuah? The fact that you invoke God's name. 
God invokes his own name here several times. This is the Shavuah that's key. You think I care that much about a Shavuah that the king of the Plishtim made with Avraham, a Shavuah that perhaps we even regret till this very day? Look at the Mepharshim on Shmuel Bet Perakeh, about the Pishim and the Ivrim. Look at the Rashbam I mentioned already at the beginning of the Akedah, about that breach that Avraham made with Avimelech. Not such good news. But this is the best news. And this is a Shavuah that has carried us till this very day, because this is a Shavuah that Hashem would be with us in Mitzrayim and would bring us out of Mitzrayim. I like to propose that Be'er Sheva gets its permanent name, not from Avraham, not from Yitzchak, but from Yaakov. And not because of the oath that Avraham took with Avimelech, not because of the oath that Yitzchak took with Avimelech, but because of the oath that HaKadosh Baruch Hu made with Yaakov, which is critical. Now we can roll back to the first source and we understand why people would have been tempted to go to Be'er Sheva to worship. Because they see Barsheva not as where Avram lived, but as the last place that Yaakov had Nevoah, and the place where Hashem promised he would bring Yaakov and the people out of Mitzrayim and, and bring them back. And we now understand why Barsheva might be in this constellation of places where people would want to go worship that Amos has to rebuke them about it. So in Amos Perakeh, when he's talking to the people about their worship, he refers to this as the well of oath. When he speaks to, he speaks to them about things that are on the road to Beersheba, he calls it Beersheba because it's a geographic marker. And so the way that the, that the, this unique location, because I don't know of any other location that's treated this way, that this unique location is tran- translated and not transliterated reflects the fact that the people at the time understood the significance of Be'er Sheva, not just as a well of an oath, going back to Avram and Avimelech, or Yitzchak and Avimelech, but rather that the real oath that is significant here is the oath that HaKadosh Baruch Hu made to Yaakov, which of course was fulfilled, and was fulfilled by Yitzhak Mitzrayim, the greatest moment in our history.